I don't know if people make New Year's resolutions anymore. I don't know if that's kind of an old thing in the past. I just don't know. For me, it, it is, it's a marker. You know, the new year is a marker in my life. You know, what is it do I need to change? Or as I evaluate my life and evaluate maybe what I want to do, there's, there's opportunities for me to go, okay, what about my, what about my personal life? And what about my, my professional life? And, you know, you've got those four or five categories in your life where you want to kind of have a, a, a restarting, if you will, a reigniting of, of what's going on. So, you know, as we approach this new year, does anybody make any, anybody make any, New Year's, I don't want to call them resolutions, but ideas or, or thoughts about wanting to change the way that you would, you would live? What about spiritual goals? The Bible says to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. It, it, it's okay to go, you know, I wonder if I need to, to change some things in my spiritual. Maybe there's a, maybe it's a characteristic of my life that's just not really not where I want it to be. Maybe I need to look at that, or maybe it's a theme, or, or maybe there's a person. It, it's okay to do that. Proverbs says this. 23 verse 23, it says this, buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. Well, the reason we have the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, Proverbs is given to us so that we might attain wisdom, so that we might know how to better live our lives. And he's saying here, buy the truth. We have the truth right here. Don't sell it. Grab onto it. Allow the word of God to come into your life, if you will, to transform your life on the inside. The wise person will look at life, especially at the last two years, all the difficulties and challenges, all that we've gone through the last two years. Has the Bible been an anchor to your life, an anchor to your soul? Do you know that when life is difficult, Americans do turn to the Bible? There's, there's data for that. There's a study that happened. As a matter of fact, it, it came out uh, about a year ago, and it was conducted by the American Bible Society with alongside of Harvard University's Human Flourishing Program. So Harvard and the American Bible Society got together and they conducted a survey, if you will. And what they did was they found out that people who read the Bible at some level are going to be consistently more hopeful than people who do not read the Bible, if you will. It says this, 33 percent more, 33 points more, or people are going to be that much more hopeful because they've incorporated reading the Bible in their life. And they did a survey of, of 1,000 people six months apart. And this is the conclusion. It says this, on a scale of 1 to 100, with 100 being the most hopeful, Americans who report reading the Bible three to four times per year scored 42 out of 100. If you read the Bible weekly, it was 66 if you read it multiple times during the year, 75 points. In other words, if you read the Bible, the more that you read the Bible, the more that you're going to feel hopeful about yourself, the life circumstances, and the different things going on. And what they say is this, the Bible with community, with coming to church, all of those, those wonderful factors that God has given to us shape and model us to help us to become conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And they go on to say the church has a relevant, important part in helping the people grow spiritually. So it's a good thing that you're here. It's a good thing that you're part of a church. It's a good place to be in God's house with God's people looking at God's word and what God's word would have for us. You know, and uh, Steve mentioned that, you know that it's the first of the year. And, and I always take this time, the first of the year, to talk about the Bible. And there's a couple of reasons. Let, let, me, let me tell you why. First of all, it, for me, it's just personal. It's personal. 
I, I feel before the Lord that you need to know that I'm going to consistently spend time in the Bible. It's just so important. For me personally, I, I need to read the Bible every year. I need to be reminded of all the things. I need to do this. So it's a personal reason for me to do this. Second thing is this. I, I want you to know that our church, whether it be our elders, our children, our youth ministry, all of those ministries are going to be grounded in what the Word of God has to say. From cradle to grave, we're going to talk about the Word of God. The music is going to be centered on the Word of God. We want the Word of God to be the central focus of our life. When we do Bible teaching, it's going to be expository from the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. So, so we want people to know about that. The very foundation for our living is going to be in the Word of God. And the last thing is this. I want us to know that we are committed as a church body, as a community, to continue to give the Word of God to all people so that they can have that foundation for living. The agenda for us as a church is the Word of God and what God would have. Are you familiar with the Reformers, Martin Luther? Remember what they came out? Solo Scriptura, the five solos of Scripture, faith alone, grace alone. Solo scriptura. In other words, what the Bible does, the Bible gives us everything pertaining to life and godliness. I have all of the resources that I need right here in the Bible. So the question becomes this, will I employ the word of God in my life? Will I trust the word of God? Not just read it, but will I trust it for what it says about me in the life circumstances? Will I look to it for my hope, if you will? And so what I want to do is I, I want to talk about the word of God, and I want to use the scripture from Romans chapter 15, verse 4. You know, over Christmas, we looked at this theme of hope, a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn, speaking of the, the arrival of Jesus Christ. Well, Romans chapter 15, verse 4 talks about hope. Talks about the hope of the scriptures, if you will. So I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 15, verse 4. And as you turn there, I, I just want to read a couple of scriptures to you. I, I could pull out any number of texts that remind us of the Word of God, the beauty of the Word of God, the power of the Word of God, and how it transforms our life. Let me just give you a couple of them. I'll put them on the screen. Joshua 1.8, one of the first verses that I, I memorized as, as a new Christian, says this. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Who doesn't want to be prosperous? Who doesn't want to be successful in 2022? Every one of us do. Whether you're a Christian or not, every one of us wants to find meaning, purpose in life, and success in life. And the Bible says there's foundational truths here that will help us to do that. Psalm. If you begin reading the Bible on Saturday, I read Psalm. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Notice what it says. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but who delights in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. By the way, the text that Steve read from the book of Jeremiah points to this verse. Jeremiah the prophet is looking back and understanding Psalm. He's understanding the power of the word of God to transform our life. Who doesn't want to be prosperous? Who doesn't want to bear fruit? All of us do. But look to the New Testament, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Notice how the word of God will transform your life. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says this, All scripture 
is God-breathed, and it's useful for what? Teaching? So it's going to give me the information that I need, rebuking. In other words, when I get off track, or, or when I tend to go over here, what is it going to do? It's going to challenge my heart and mind to get me back on track. It says correcting, putting me on the right path, and then what? Training me in righteousness. Why? So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Word of God has a practical purpose in our life to spiritually challenge us and to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. I'm going to, put a, uh, I'm going to read this text. It's from Psalm 138, and it's kind of like the theme that I want to look at for the, this month about magnifying the Lord. Notice what David wrote. Just listen to it. It's not on the screen. Let me just read it to you. Psalm 138 says this, I will praise you, O Lord, with all of my heart. Before the gods I will sing your praise. I will bow down towards your holy temple, and will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. Why? For you have exalted above all things your name and your worth. The nature, the character of who God is and the revelation that we have been given will absolutely transform our life. And I could have gone to many, any number of texts. Psalm 119, Psalm 19, James chapter 1. I mean, so many texts that give us the wonder and the beauty of God's word and what he would have for us. So what I want to do is I want to look at this theme of hope and the hope that the scriptures give to us. So I want to talk about four things this morning. I want to talk about the, the, the way that the Bible is, is geared to teach us, uh, to help us to endure, to encourage us, and, to, and ultimately to give us hope. So that's kind of where we're going to go from Romans chapter 15, verse 4. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Father, the, the psalmist said in Psalm 119, he said, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things from your word. God, I just simply ask that you would do that this morning, that through the revelation that you have given to us, through the word of God, that you would open our eyes, that we would see the wonder and the beauty of who you are and what you've done for us. Father, there's a communion table, and we're going to take the Lord's Supper later. And we're going to be reminded of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this book proclaims who Jesus is and what he has done for us. So, Father, this morning I pray that you'd open our eyes, that we would see who you are, what you've done for us, and how you want to give us success in 2022. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me just begin. First of all, the Bible teaches us how to live. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. Notice what the verse says. It says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. Now, what, what Paul is doing in this chapter is Paul's getting ready to close out the book of Romans. And the book of Romans is an incredibly beautiful, beautiful book. It's a theologically rich book, if you will. And what Paul wants to do is he wants to draw all of these things together. And he's talked about in Romans chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. He says, listen, I want, I, I want the strong and the weak Christian, I want them to be able to, to work together. You who are strong in the Lord, I want you to bear, bear up to, to the weaker brothers. And he wants us to have this, this idea of unity. He wants us to be able to respect one another and to do good for one another. And so what he does is he points to what he, he points to what's been written in the past. He says this, for everything that was written in the past is written, what? To teach us. Now, Paul could have simply referred to this. Well, what I'm, what I'm referring to is just the 39 books of the Old Testament. It could have been as simply like that. What I want you to do is I want you to know that all of those 39 books in the Old Testament were written to teach us. 
Or maybe what Paul does in his heart and mind as he writes all of these letters, what he does is he takes and he applies certain portions of Scripture, books and themes in the Bible, and applies them to our life to point them ultimately to who Jesus is and what he would have for us. So I would imagine what he has in mind, the broad range of genres in the Old Testament. The Pentateuch, first five books of the Old Testament. Paul quotes that numerously in the, in the New Testament. Or, or what about the historical books, the history of God's people? Go back and read chapter or, uh, uh, Romans 15. He quotes from the historical books. So, so you have these different genres, if you will. What about the prophetic books, minor prophets, older prophets? Paul quotes extensively from the book of Isaiah about the Messiah and who the Messiah is and what he's going to do and how he's going to come. Everything that was written in the past was written for a purpose. Or maybe this, what about the specific people? That when I read the Old Testament, I'm not reading just a bunch of words. I'm reading about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and David, and Saul, and Solomon, and and all of these people who lived at a specific point in time. Or what about the, the broad range of themes that we might find in the Old Testament? The creation account, the formation of God's people. Why are they're Jewish people, the formation of God. What about ethics on how to live from the book of Deuteronomy? What about going through the historical books and watching what happens when people rebel and walk away from the Lord? Or what about the minor prophets about what's going to happen in the future? All of those wonderful things we have in the Old Testament. Why? Because everything that was written in the past was written for a purpose. What about figures and events and institutions? They all have Significant meaning, if you will. In the book of Romans, Paul talks about Adam, the first Adam. But he also refers to Adam in the sense that there's a a second Adam. And who's the second Adam? Well, the second Adam is is ultimately Jesus. So the first Adam and the second Adam, Jesus, they, they have relevance together. The second Adam was going to come and die in our place because of the sin of the first Adam. So all of these broad range of themes and institutions come to us, if you will. Because everything that was written in the past was written for a purpose, to teach us how we might grow in the wonder and the beauty of God's word. What about the names of God? Every time you read a name of God, it tells us something about the character of who he is and what he's done for his people. Over and over in the Old Testament, God is my rock. God is my shield. God is my protector. God is is my... All of these wonderful titles of God are, are given to us in a wonderful and beautiful way. And all of those things, all of those things point to one person. All of them point to one person. Jesus Christ, who he is and what he would do for us. The Old Testament reminds us of the nature and the character of who Jesus is as the Messiah and how he would come and offer himself as a sacrifice. And when you look at, when you look at the the disciples, when you look at the New Testament, what did they do? They made that exact correlation. They looked at the Old Testament. They looked at the people. They looked at the genres. They looked at all of these institutions. And they came to the conclusion that they're ultimately pointing to one person. They're pointing to Jesus. Let me show you two scriptures. John chapter 1, verse 44, says this. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God. Moses, the law, and the prophets, all pointing to what? All pointing to Jesus of Nazareth. One chapter later, in chapter 2, John chapter 2, verse 22, notice what they write. 
After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said, then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. What are they, what are they relating to the person of Jesus? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. These scriptures speak of, in the Old Testament, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So when he's talking about, when Paul says everything that was written in the past, all of that information in those books ultimately point to one person, Jesus, and the fact that he should be worshipped because of who he is and what he has done for us. We have a communion table for us. When you pull out this little cup, it's going to have bread on the top, and it's going to have a cup, a cup of juice underneath it. Now, if you were to look at that and just get focused on the bread and the cup and, and find no meaning in it, it would have basically no purpose in what we do. But we know the, the bread has a symbolic purpose, right? It, the bread is going to tell us about the broken body of Jesus on the cross, and the, the juice is going to remind us of Jesus' shed blood on the cross, we, we get that from the bread and the cup. So when we look to the Old Testament and the types of all of these things, ultimately all of those wonderful themes and genres and books point to ultimately one person, Jesus Christ, and who he is and what he's done for us. That's why Paul writes, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So when I read the Bible, I'm reading about creation, I'm looking for Jesus, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And I read the Psalms and talks about wanting to have a blessed life. I'm, I'm looking to Jesus as the word made flesh, the one who will bless my life. And so I, I, I pine the scriptures and I meditate on the word of God because I want to be prosperous and I want to be successful in my life. Book of Isaiah, Paul quotes extensively, Peter quotes extensively from the prophet Isaiah. What, what could be our heart? What could be our attitude as we approach 2022? Notice what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 66. says this. By the way, this is what the Lord says. Not me. This is what the Lord says. Here we go. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. This is the one I esteem. He who is humble contrite, repentant in spirit, and what? Who trembles at my word. There's a practical, there's a practical way for us uh, to respond to the word of God because God ultimately wants to teach us. Are we opening our minds and our hearts to the word of God and what God might want to have and teach us every day? Parents, listen, you have an incredible responsibility. But don't just put that on Diana and your teacher. Don't, don't put that responsibility on them. Sit down with your children and talk to them about the Word of God. Let them see that you're reading the Word of God. And then they ask you, tell them what you're reading. Model what it means to allow the Word of God to teach us so that we might have hope. There's a second practical aspect of, of why we read the, birth, the Word of God. And it's this. It's because we want to endure and persevere in difficult times and tough times. Listen, if God, if God would just allow us to go through difficult times and not do anything for us, he would be cruel or, or unable to help us. But what the Bible affirms to us is that God wants to help us to persevere and endure. That's what he says. Notice what Romans 15 verse 4 says again. 
for everything that was written and that past is written to teach us, so that, what, we might have endurance. What's endurance? It means this. It means I'm not going to give up. It means I'm going to push through. I'm going to keep moving forward. No, no matter what's happening in my life and how difficult and how challenging life is, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to push through. And how am I going to do that? Because the Spirit of God lives inside of me, and the Word of God will help me in my life. God doesn't just leave us alone. The Comforter, if you will, the Holy Spirit, the Paraclete, who's living inside of us, comes alongside to, to help us and build us up. And we have the Word of God to bear us up. Jesus and Paul both describe how difficult life will be. John chapter 16, Jesus said this, I've told you these things so that in me you will have peace. Where do you find peace? We find it in Jesus. We find it in the word of God as I read and reflect on who he is and what he's done for us. In this world out there, you will have what? Trouble. But take courage, I have overcome the world. Where do we find this endurance and hope? We look to Jesus and how he's revealed himself to us in the word of God. Paul, he's, he's been stoned and left for dead in Lystra. He's just been left for dead. And in Acts chapter 14, verse 22, this is what he tells the people. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Let me ask you, are you ready for 2022? None of us knows what, none of us knows what tomorrow holds. None of us do. I came into the office yesterday, and so I came up Highway 70 and uh, you know, made the, the exit. And I was probably here maybe 15, 20 minutes uh, doing some stuff. And then I turned around and went home. And I got on the highway, and as soon as I got on the highway out here, I, I noticed some lights up ahead. And what had happened is a, is a car had been going down the highway, and it was flipped over on, on, its, on its top, on its rooftop. So from the time I came in, the time, 15 minutes, this accident happened. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, how quickly life changes. In an instant, our lives are radically different. And do we have the resources, do we have the anchor to help us? Listen, when Paul wrote, when Paul wrote the book of Romans, it wasn't easy. Most people believe that Paul wrote this around maybe 57 AD, around 57 AD. We know that Nero's persecution came around 63, 64, Nero, bad dude. Uh, the, the fire burned and he blamed it on Christians, so he killed a lot of Christians. So the, the context of the book of Romans, it was written in a very, very difficult time when a lot of persecution was going on in the church. So to name and to be a Christian was really, really difficult. Church historians say that from the time of Diocletian, from Nero to Diocletian, from about uh, 64 to 313, there was about 10 different periods of persecution for the church from 64 A.D. to 313, 10 periods of persecution. So what you're talking about here is people who are living in a very difficult time. We're not facing persecution for our faith, but we're facing difficult things. You see what's going on in our culture and all the things going on. To name the name of Jesus and to embrace faith is very difficult. And what the Bible does is the Bible says, I'm not going to shield you from pain and suffering. It's going to come into your life. Are you prepared for it? So what we can do is when we look at the totality of the word of God, I can I look to Abraham and how he suffered. Or maybe Joseph and how he suffered. David, how he had a rebellious son. 
All of these different people in the Bible of Job who struggled and suffered in life, and yet God bore them up, if you will, through the word of God. The Bible says this, that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that what we can endure. Do you have the resources to bear up this next year when life hits you really, really hard and difficult and life is challenging? See, the Bible is very, very practical. That's why we read it. That's why we study it. It, it reminds us of, of people in the Old Testament, what they've gone through, and they become an, an example, if you will, of how we can persevere, we too can persevere. James, the brother of Jesus, James chapter 5, verse 10. Notice what James wrote. Notice, notice how in the midst of pain and suffering to the people in, to whom he's writing to, the 12 tribes that's been disturbed, notice how he encourages them. It says this, brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, he, he doesn't relate to his own life. He says, go back and look at the prophets. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have what? Persevered, endured. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. What does James do? James says, listen, I'm going to take you back to the Old Testament. The Old Testament is there to teach us. And what? here's an example for you to employ into your life so that you can persevere when life, when life is really, really hard and you're hanging on barely. Read about Job and how God intervened in his life. By the way, I want to point out how, how Paul in Romans chapter 15 encourages us to persevere and to endure in the midst of difficulties. Romans chapter 15, verse 1, he wants to build up. Weak, strong, I, I want you to come together. I want you to build up one another. I want you to do good to one another. And then notice what he does in Rome, or, uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 3. He references Jesus. He says this, For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. As an example of respect, as an example of doing good, as an example of bearing with one another, I'm not going to use an example from my own life of which I could pick many things. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take you back to Jesus. And then what does he do? He quotes Psalm chapter 69. That's the encouragement that the Old Testament gave to these people. Take a look at Job. Take a look at all of these people. Why? Because they are there for a purpose to encourage us. So the practical beauty of the Word of God is it teaches us, helps us to endure. Number three, encouragement. Do you ever need encouragement? Do you ever need encouragement? Notice what it says. So that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. That's why I love Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes so that I may see wonderful things from your word. Psalm 119 is just full of all of these references of the mighty and the power of the word of God. And it's there for a purpose, to encourage us and to build us up. It means this, to comfort, to bring consolation to your life. To, to comfort you when, when life is really, really difficult and when life is really, really challenging. In other words, we need the Word of God to speak to us in a way that maybe a person can't even do it. 
You know, maybe your world has been rocked and nobody else knows what's going on in your heart and mind. Maybe you're struggling in a relationship. Maybe you're struggling with a family member. Maybe you're struggling with something personally. And, and when I faithfully employ the Word of God into my life, the Word of God speaks to me and it comes alongside of me and what it does is it encourages me. And God is a way through the Spirit of God and the Word of God to encourage my life and build me up and to help me be conformed ultimately to the image of Jesus Christ. You ever, ever feel alone, rejected? Joseph, he's a great person to read about. What about uh, you feel like life's just, everyone's against you? Hagar, I, I love the story of Hagar in the Old Testament. There's so many people that we can read the book of Ruth, Naomi in the book of Ruth. Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, bitter. I'm a bitter old woman, why? Because God has taken all of these things from me. And you know what happens at the end of the book of Ruth? She's sitting there and it talks about her having a baby. She didn't have a baby. What, what, what do you mean she has a baby? She's old. She doesn't have a baby. That's the hope that the scriptures give. That's why we read and we study and meditate on these things. You ever feel overwhelmed in life? You're just bawling your eyes out? Read the psalm. The psalmists are bawling their eyes out. They're weeping. God, you've forgotten all about me. What am I going to do? Put your hope in God. Trust in him. Because he'll come alongside of you and help you when no one else can. Listen, I, I can't do that to you. Your spouse at times cannot even do that to you. Your best friend cannot do some of those things. What God has done is God has so designed the Word of God and the Spirit of God so that when we look to Him, He speaks to our very heart and mind and soul. The, he, I was, when I, the service started, Hebrews 4, 12, the Word of God is what? Living and active and what? Sharper than any two-edged sword. Able to judge the thoughts and intentions of my heart. I can't do that. But the Word of God can because it's mighty and because it's powerful. So why do we look at the Word of God? It's to teach us. It's to help us to endure, to come alongside and comfort us. And the last thing, what does it do? It gives us hope. It gives us hope. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and encouragement of Scriptures, we might have hope. So we dealt with the theme of hope over Christmas. We all need hope. By the way, in the book of Romans, hope's a really important word. It's this idea that, that we, don't, we don't necessarily see everything and we don't necessarily going to have everything or we're not going to experience everything in this world. In this world. But hope is, is the confident expectation that, that as God reveals himself in his word, as God revealed himself, I'm going to receive all of these promises. Maybe now, maybe sometime in the future. But God knows and he will give me hope. And sometimes my hope is grounded in the future. I can't see it. I'm not going to experience it. It's invisible out there, but I will Receive it. Maybe not in this life, but in the life to come. Romans chapter 8, verse 24. Notice how Paul uses this word, hope. It says this, For in this hope we are saved. What is that hope? But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. The hope that he's talking about is the culmination of our adoption. We have been adopted as God's children, son, children. We, we, we are God's children. And because of that, one day in the future, we're going to see the culmination of that adoption. I'm going to stand before the Lord, and I'm going to worship him for who he is and what he's done for us. I am sanctified. I am being sanctified. 
And one day I will be fully sanctified because I will see Jesus and I will be like him. I will be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's the hope of the scriptures and that awesome stuff. This is good stuff. Okay, I'm going to close. During the hardest moments of a difficult year, you, the, the, YouTube, the YouVersion Bible app saw searches in, the, in their app shoot up 80%. And this is the difficult time of 2020. And this is what people looked for. This is what people were searching for. All right, 2020, uh, YouVersion app, this is what they were looking for. Isaiah's assurance, do not fear, was the Bible app's top verse globally. It ranked number one. Do not fear. Why? Because people are fearful. I'm fearful. My life is a mess. What's going on around me? They're Googling, do not fear. It was the top verse in the United States, India, South Africa, the Netherlands, and the Philippines. In Ghana, you know what the top verse was? Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Do not be anxious. And in Kenya, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, all things work together for good. Isn't that interesting that in different parts of the world, people were looking for God's word in a different way? And maybe that's the beauty of God's word, that it speaks to the circumstances that we find ourselves in. The version founder said this, through every hardship, people continue to seek God and turn to the Bible for strength, peace, and hope. While 2020 is a year many said they would like to forget, we see it as a year to remember how God used the Bible app to help so many people who are searching for answers. They tracked like 43.6 billion chapters of the Bible read in 2020. So let me ask you, what will you do with the Word of God in 2023? And I'm not here to beat you up. I'm really not. What I've tried to do is to outline how I believe the Bible can practically affect our lives. It can teach us what to do. Marriage, it can teach you. Relationships, it can teach you. Character issues, it can teach you. Persevere, it's helped you endure in life. Persevere, not to give up. Give us the hope that we need, the strength that we need to be able to move forward. So every year we do this, we create a little book and it's one year through the Bible. If you've never read through the Bible in one year, I just encourage you, just try it. And, and maybe it gets too hard. Listen, this is to, this is to, to help you. This is a tool to, to help you. Maybe, maybe you can't do the one year in the Bible. Maybe it's, maybe it's the Old Testament, or maybe it's just the Psalms, or maybe it's the New Testament, or, or maybe it's just Proverbs. This is geared to help you, not beat you over the head to make you feel guilty. It's to encourage you along the way. By the way, we have two nifty additions to this year's this year to read through the Bible. We have a map. I always like to look up. I'm like, huh, where are those tribes at? Uh, there's my map. The other thing is, you ever wonder about the kings? You ever get lost with the kings? I always get lost with the kings. I remember one year I went through and I went to bad king, bad king, bad king, good king. Wow, look at all the bad kings. You got this nifty little chart here. It is a nifty little chart for all of you, for your viewing pleasure. I, I encourage you, parents, instruct your children in the Word of God. Let's model the Word of God in our life. The psalmist says, for you've exalted above all things your name, the nature and the character of God. 
into your word for who we is and what he says. And this book will radically transform our life. So I love this topic. I love the word of God. So I'm going to pray. And then because the word of God teaches us to do this in remembrance of him, we're going to take and we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. So we have the, the beauty of God's word, the word made flesh. Isn't that awesome? And now we're going to celebrate who Jesus is and what he's done. What a great way to begin the year. Father, you are good. We sing about you being good all the time. You're a good, good father. And you are a good, good father because you sent Jesus to come to this earth and to live on this earth and to model what it means to love you with all heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then in an act of humility, he went to the cross and offered himself as a sacrifice for our sin. And Father, we simply want to come to you this morning We want to say thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his death on the cross. Thank you for the implications of what it means that we are forgiven of our sin. Father, I ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.